Song of Solomon, chapter 4. Brother Peter was saying yesterday about the guy at work and what's going on in your world and your world. And how many of us got situations fairly heavy, we think, but really in comparison with what many other people are going through, it's really, really nothing at all. I, I was talking to my mother. <coughs> uh, often do. She's been 91 shortly. And, uh, hasn't come to the Lord. She knows what we believe and come to our hall opening in Cooper Petty back in 93. Praise the Lord. But anyway, she, she shared something with me that, uh, she never told me before. And my, my second name is Robert. And when I was born, my father was in the army. Um, and he didn't see me till I was 15 months old. He was on tour of duty and there was no way to come back. You just don't, that's war's on. You can't expect all the niceties and freedoms and everything else. He didn't see me till I was his firstborn son until I was 15 months old. And there was a, my grandmother's brother, uh, with a bit of a swagman. He used to wander around the country and he was always dropping into the home there where, where my mother lived with her parents uh, while dad was in the army. And anyway, when I was born, um, I was given the name, the second name of Robert. My father's name is Ronald. Dad died 27 years ago. And I didn't find out till last year that that was what my name was supposed to be after my father. And somehow or other, I got my uncle's second name. I was just thinking about the sadness, disappointment, whatever, in my father's life all those years that his firstborn son didn't get his name as he was in, he had intended. A lot of people living and a lot of sadnesses that uh, we're just totally oblivious to. When I turned 60, my daughter hunted up a copy of the Adelaide Advertiser that you can buy from the day that I was born. The first three pages were all about war, Japanese, Germans, in Europe, up in um, Indonesia, in Wewak, and places that I've walked up at Itapi where I was just a little while ago with some of the brothers. And the pages, I just thought, my parents must have thought, what have we done? Bring a child into this world. So everybody in their life at different times have got all sorts of sadnesses and disappointments. We've got to make sure that we overcome them and carry on. There's things that you can't change, can't do anything about. There's things you can do something about. And that's our service for the Lord, our determination to carry on. We can't press the rewind button in life, we must go on. And some people allow disappointing things in their life to, to destroy them. We're not going to be like that. We're going to continue on. In, you found Song of Solomon, have you? Right, chapter 4 and the first verse. Now, it says, Behold, thou art fair, my love. Behold, thou art fair, thou hast dove's eyes within thy locks. I hear us as a flock of goats that appear from Mount Gilead. Doesn't sound really flattering, but the hair is all, all alive, full of, you know, you've got big hair and it's all alive and it's really exciting. This is, this is man, saw this lady. Your teeth are like a flock of sheep that are even shorn, which come up from the washing, whereof every one of them bear twins and none is barren among them. A bit of a poetic license for The flock of sheep that are even shorn, they're just pure white, uh, just been washed. The teeth are pure white. Every one of them bears twins. In other words, all your teeth are perfectly matched. Perfectly matched. They're not just irregular. They're all perfectly matched. 
and you haven't got any gaps between them. There's none barren among them. Just got a good set of teeth. Thy lips are like a thread of scarlet. Thy speech is comely. Thy temples are like a piece of pomegranate within thy locks. Thy neck is like a tower of David builded for an armory. And so he goes on. He's trying to say, express his love for this lady. Put into words how he feels about this perfect woman. In uh, verse 7, you are all fair, my love. There is no spot in you. Verse 9, you have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravished my heart with one of your eyes, just, just a look of your eye, just a twinkle in your eye, and I'm gone. I'm weak at the knees. With one chain of your neck, just a necklace or whatever, and I just, he just loved this lady. Just the perfect, perfect woman. Verse 11, your lips are my spouse, drop as the honeycomb. Honey and milk are under your tongue, and the smell of your garments is like the smell of Lebanon. Verse 12, a garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse, a spring shut up, a fountain sealed. She's mine. This lady is mine. And he's just trying to express words to say how he feels for this one that he loves so much. Other parts there, the language is not quite so complimentary. He says your belly's like a sack of wheat or something like that. <laughs> but uh, <coughs> we won't go into that. <coughs> but it, <coughs> Have you ever had trouble to find the vocabulary to express how you feel, really feel for the one that you love? In the end you sort of finish up holding hands and looking at the moon and that sort of says it all. <coughs> if we cannot find the vocabulary to express how we feel about the one that we care for most, our life's partner, how can we possibly find the vocabulary to say or express how we how we feel about the Lord, our Heavenly Father? That's why he gives us the ability to pray in the Spirit. The Spirit makes intercession for us. We pray in tongues and we don't know what we're saying, but the Spirit within us is communicating with the Father and just says it all. What a wonderful thing it is to pray in the Spirit. It's necessary and it's just a... Just so encouraging for us day by day. So here, this man is just trying to express how he feels about the perfect woman. And she's a bit gaga too. Down in chapter 5, um, um, verse 9, the lady say to her, What is your beloved more than another beloved, O thou fairest among women? You, know, you reckon you're just, just bit in a bit? Um, what about your fellow? What is your beloved more than another beloved that you do so charge us? You're telling us all about this man that you love. And so she's got to try to express how she feels about the man in her life or she wants in her life. My beloved, verse 10, is white and ruddy, the chiefest among 10,000. His head is as the most fine gold. His locks are bushy and black as a raven. His eyes are as the eyes of doves by the rivers of waters. He just has to look at me and I'm gone. Washed with milk and fitly set. His cheeks are as a bed of spices, as sweet flowers. His lips like lilies, dropping sweet-smelling myrrh. His hands are as gold rings set with the beryl. His belly is as bright ivory overlaid with sapphires. (laughs) Well, his legs are as pillars of marble set upon sockets of fine gold. His countenance is as Lebanon, excellent as the cedars. His mouth is most sweet, yea, he's altogether lovely. This is my beloved and this is my friend, O daughters of Jerusalem. And so 
this is my perfect man. And she's just trying to tell everybody how much she loves him and what he does for her. The, the book of Song of Solomon is, is a bit uh, confusing for many people. They look at it and wonder what it's all about. And some would uh, say it's a love story between God and his church. And, and uh, others here, it starts off saying about it's uh, uh, the Song of Songs, which is Solomon's. And, um, and some would think that here it's Solomon, the king, looking at the Queen of Sheba and how there was this mutual admiration and they were just attracted to each other, just like magnets, and, and they were just exemplary. She was just the most marvellous Venus de Milo ever born, and he was just the greatest Adonis. I looked around and sort of see a few people that might fit the bill, but not too many. <laughs> but I was just thinking about expectations what your expectations are. Maybe at times um, our expectations are too high. Who can measure up to all of this? Not one of us. They say love is blind and, well, that's what happened to these two here. Um, let's read a bit more about Solomon. Come back there. In First Kings chapter 3. First Kings chapter 3, um, verse, um, verse 5, says, In Gibeon the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream by night, and God said, Ask what I shall give you. And so he was uh, given this opportunity to uh, have whatever it was that he wanted. Down to verse 9, he said, Give therefore your servant an understanding heart to judge your people. He said, There's so many people here, your people, who want to do the job properly, give me wisdom an understanding heart that I may discern between good and bad, for who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? Impossible task. Um, verse 13, the Lord was pleased with him, and he said, I've also given unto you, because you, you, you didn't ask for anything else, but just wisdom, I've also given to you, which you ask not both riches and honour, so that there shall not be any among the kings like unto you all your days if you will walk in my ways, to keep my statutes and my commandments, says your father David did walk, then I will lengthen your days. I'll give you wisdom, I'll give you a long life, I'll give you riches, because you asked for wisdom. This was the one that we're reading there, that uh, description in, in Song of Solomon. Chapter 8, verse uh, 54. Solomon's dedicated the temple. He's built it. His father David couldn't. David's done that. Uh, Solomon has done that. The son in verse 54. And it was so that when Solomon made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord, from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven. And you can read through it. We haven't got time tonight. But you read through this beautiful prayer. Solomon at this time was somebody to be admired in every way. Just beautiful words of, of, of prayer to the Lord, seemingly really from the heart. Chapter 9, um, verse 2 says, The Lord appeared to Solomon a second time as he had appeared under him in Gideon. Gibeon. So uh, Solomon was very blessed. Verse 3, And the Lord said, I have heard your prayer and your supplication that you made before me for the dedication of the house. I have hallowed this house which you have built to put my name there forever and my eyes and my heart shall be there perpetually. The Lord honoured it. Verse 5, 
Then will I establish the throne of your kingdom upon Israel forever, as I promised to David your father, saying, There shall not fail you a man upon the throne of Israel. And there will be this continuing dynasty which goes right through until Shiloh comes. In verse 9, they shall answer, Because they forsook the Lord. Um, well, he's talking that if you do the wrong thing, and you, you're going to lose all of this. Verse 9, and they shall ask, because you forsook the Lord their God, who brought you forth their fathers out of the land of Egypt, and have taken hold upon other gods, and have worshipped them and served them, therefore hath the Lord brought upon them all this evil. But all this glory and all this majesty to be brought down will only happen if you forsake the Lord. Chapter 10. This is the lady that we're perhaps reading of from in the, in the book of Song of Solomon. She came to see Solomon. Verse 1, when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She was going to check him out. She was going to test him with impossible questions, she thought. She came to Jerusalem with a very great train, with camels that bear spices and very much gold and precious stones. And when she was come to Solomon, she communed with him of all that was in her heart. And Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he told her not. He just told her everything. She got, is Sid running around camp with a t-shirt on? He about knows everything? All right. If he doesn't, he only knows half of it. There, there. I'm, I don't need any encyclopedia. My other half knows everything. That's right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, Sid. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And so, Solomon was able to answer every question that the Queen of Sheba put to him. Uh, for and when the Queen of Sheba had seen all Solomon's wisdom for the house that he had built and the meat on his table and the sitting of his servants and the attendance of his ministers and their apparel and his cupbearers and his ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord, there was no spirit in her. She went weak at the knees and she said to the king that it was true report. But I heard in mine own land of your acts and of your wisdom. Howbeit I believed not the words until I came and mine eyes had seen it. And behold, the half was not told me. Your wisdom and prosperity exceeds the fame which I heard. Your reputation is, uh, doesn't do you justice. Happy are your men. Happy are these your servants, which stand continually before thee and hear your wisdom. Blessed be the Lord your God, which delights in you to set you on the throne of Israel, because the Lord has loved Israel forever, therefore made you king to do right judgments uh, and, right and justice. So everything's great. No wonder she was in awe of Solomon. And she was the queen and, and so on. And you read some commentaries and they... Uh, that, some people suggest that uh, there was this relationship between Solomon and, and the Queen of Sheba and they had a child and he became the first emperor of Ethiopia. Who knows? Legends or whatever. And that's not what we're looking at tonight. Just to think that people can be swayed by all the pomp and the ceremony and the presence and the outward show. And if you're looking for a life partner, that's not what you, look, you should be looking for. Nobody ever can live up to the to you, the man or the woman of your dreams. We're all human beings. We've all got difficulties. I'm not suggesting for a moment that we've got to accept second best. But maybe we shouldn't be expecting more of a person. Rather, I think that we should be looking at expecting more of ourselves than of the other person. Every Sunday we come for communion and we look to self-examine 
We do an audit of ourselves, our life, where we're at and so on. What can I do to make myself more and more the perfect man or woman? Not in the natural, but in the spiritual. So that we are a child of God that he can use and bless and that we can be an inspiration to others that might be in some sort of difficulties. One more verse, Lamentations, chapter 3. Just after Jeremiah, verse 26. You find that? After Jeremiah, Isaiah, Jeremiah, then Lamentations. Before you get to Ezekiel, there's a little book there by Jeremiah. Lamentations, chapter 3, and verse 26. It is good that a man should both hope and quietly wait for the salvation of the Lord. And we can be distracted. Talking with young one, uh, about young ones this morning, or two young ones here, and and uh, we can be distracted by so many things. And of course, uh, the selection of our of our life's partner is uh, just so so important. And what a wonderful place you're in, guidance from the scriptures. We shouldn't be looking just to the natural. We shouldn't allow ourselves to become uh, like those in the Song of Solomon's that are just uh, out of control. Lovely words. Everything's nice, but, well, I didn't read what I meant to read. I'll just turn back to it. Um, um, if you want to, in first, uh, first Kings chapter 11, I distracted myself. First Kings chapter 11, all right, verse 1. So everything was great between Solomon and the Queen of Sheba. It says, but King Solomon loved many strange women, together with the daughters of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Zidonians and Hittites, of the nations concerning which the Lord said unto the children of Israel, you shall not go into them, neither shall they come in unto you, for surely they will turn away your heart after their gods. And Solomon clave unto these in love, and he had 700 wives, the prince, wives, princesses and 300 concubines, and his wives turned away his heart. He couldn't stand the nagging. For it came to pass, when Solomon was old, that his wife turned away his heart from after other gods, and his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. For Solomon went after Ashtaroth, the goddess of the Zidonians, and after Milcom, the abomination of the Ammonites. And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord, and he went not fully after the Lord, as did his fa- David his father. Then Solomon built a high place for Shemosh, the abomination of Moab, in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Molech, and the uh, the abomination of the children of Ammon, and likewise did he for all of his strange wives, which burnt incense and sacrificed unto the gods, their gods. And the Lord was angry with Solomon, because his heart was turned from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice. So Solomon had everything going for him, everything looked great, but in the end, it's just a terrible, terrible situation. And so... We need to be assessing what we're looking for when we're looking to find our partner, our husband, our wife. Praise the Lord. Um, now I've, I've seen a few, not impossible wedding situations, but improbable, perhaps that's the word. Participated in one in Cooperpedia that was uh, probably not expected to take place. The uh, state of life and age and so on of the couple involved. A couple in Port Piri was involved in a wedding in New Guinea with Pastor Godfrey and Sister Elizabeth. I looked to participate and conduct a wedding next March, uh, April, with my my granddaughter and, and Ben. 
A lot of difficult, different situations. But just think of these four and out of the Lord's, the Lord's doing to bring people together. And the Lord will find the partner for you if you wait patiently. You live in hope and you wait patiently upon the Lord who bless you in every aspect of your life. It's almost nine o'clock. You better finish. I'll just, I'll just finish with one little story, if I may, about Forrest Gump. <laughs> you know Forrest Gump? You know, he, well, he, he sort of walk, walk, walk and run and walk, walk and he finished up the gates of heaven knocking on the door to get in and, and, uh, Peter said, well, I'm not too sure about this. Uh, he said, you can come in, but there's three questions you have to ask. Uh, you have to answer. And he said, oh, okay. Uh, shucks, really. Yeah, yeah, three questions. It's the first one. He said, what's two days of the week starting with T? <laughs> two of them. That's right. What are these? <laughs> Today and tomorrow. <laughs> oh, okay. Not what I had in mind. That'll do. Um, uh, how many seconds in the year? Oh, a bit rough. How many seconds in a year? Oh, shucks. He said, this is a bit hard. Twelve. Second of January, second of February, second of March. Oh, he's right. And he said, oh, okay then. He said, well, last one question. He said, um, what's, um, what's God's first name? Oh, I thought of He said, uh, Andy. Andy, how did you get that? He said, I've been walking a long time, and when I'm walking, I'm always singing, I serve a risen saviour. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. Andy walks with me, Andy talks with me, and <laughs> thank you.